get the chance to preach, you will experience the joy of a neatly ordered pulpit. It's like buying a new, no, new pair of shoes, a new pair of shoes. It's, um, it's comfortable, but um, it's really cool. Honestly, it's really, really cool to be here. Um, I know I said this this morning, but um, tonight I want to talk on a topic which is really close to my heart, and I'm going to freestyle it just a little bit, which is dangerous, but I can see no timer. So that's like when you walk into a shop and it doesn't have a, um, a price on it. It must be free. So I can't see anything counting down. So like I'm just going to go as long as I want to. Is that saying? No. It's good. That is good. Anyway, I'm going to talk on a topic that I'm passionate about, but it is, it's really cool to be here because this, if you are a young person in this place, like, um, you really got to hold on to the dreams that God has for your life. And uh, I don't want to expound on that too much right now, but that is really something very cool that I'm experiencing right now, standing in this spot. Like, I have preached in many places. Uh, literally around the world, which is hilarious to say that if you just realize what kind of background I came from. But, um, you know, but I always had this dream to come back to Calvary Family Church and preach. Uh, It was just this great sense of fulfillment that I was longing for because it was really here that God uh, called me, birthed in my heart who I was to be. But I just didn't realize it until later until I had the opportunity for God to really get all up in my business and get me so far out of my comfort zone that I had no other option than to take up uh, His call for my life. But I really do want to honour the leaders here at Calvary Family Church, you know. I want to honour, even though they're not here, uh, you know, Pastor Bruce and, and Joan, incredible. If you understood, I don't know how long you've been here at this church, if you understood what they went through just to birth this church. Um, I don't know if he would ever say this from the pulpit. He'd be quite embarrassed. But, um, you know, what's that? You know, when, when they moved from the, the Uniting Church to here, um, he was owed long service leave or something like that, a crazy amount of, of annual leave. And uh, he had all of that taken away, but still faithfully went hard and, Um, and and planted the church here and just ran after God's call and plan for his life, you know, laid down sacrifice after sacrifice, all so that people in this area could come to know Christ. That's huge. That is out of the comfort zone for sure. And uh, they had a massive impact on on, uh, discipling me in in my faith and and, and teaching me the Word of God, the things that um, I teach on and preach on all throughout Europe a lot of that can co- comes from the, the reservoirs that they dug in my life in the Word of God and the understanding of who God is. And I do want to thank and honor Scott as well. He, um, who's in the youth group at the moment here at Calvary? See those hands? You've all got youth leaders. Well, Scott was one of those for me. I'll never forget the day that he um, came. And I think one time he came and picked me up from my house in like your old XF Falcon wearing a safari suit, and uh, had bleached hair, um, yeah, yeah, that's right, like, it was wild, Be- bleached, I was gonna say that, bleached ranger is a real interesting look, and uh, we went for a drive somewhere, I don't know, 
at like Mount Tambourine and we ate chips smothered in barbecue sauce and it was great. There was this unusual musky smell in his car, but we still hung out and did all kinds of crazy things. But, you know, Scott spoke life uh, over me and spoke the call of God over me and invested in my life. And it is so important that you stay connected to the house of God. It's so important that you stay connected to people who see the God potential in your life. And uh, seasons change. You might move to different places or you might do all kinds of things with your life, but you always have to stay connected and honor your past and uh, sow back into the people that have invested into you. And that's what I'm really thrilled to be able to do today. And uh, like I said, I've preached many places, but I'm so honored and excited to be back here. And uh, my prayer is that um, you would catch something off the journey that God's taken me on. Because I would say off my life, catch something off my life. But really, I would not be doing what I'm doing today if it was not for the grace and the mercy of God, that is for sure. So let's pray, and uh, I want to share a couple of things, um, and I really hope that God touches your life tonight. No, I'll scratch that. I know He'll touch your life. So uh, God, I just thank you for tonight, and I just pray that we would all be open, would all be receptive to what you want to say. God, I pray that you give me ears to hear what you are saying, Lord, that you give me clarity of speech, so I would deliver it, God, in the way that you intend for people to hear it. And I just say, have your way. Have your way in this place, God. And we just give you permission to let loose in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, and if you guys don't know who these two crazy people on the front row are, that's my friends Wayne and Gwenda Simmons, all the way from, give them a clap, welcome them. Come on, there we go. For a second there, I thought we forgot how to be friendly. Um, but no, they're great ministry partners of mine. And really, uh, part of the reason why my wife and I would uproot and go all the way over to the other side of the planet to, to minister. And of course, I actually can't help but... This is not a Grammy award speech, acceptance award speech, by the way. But uh, I really just want to honor my dad and his wonderful wife, Trish. And um, yeah, you know what to do. You know what to do. Um, it just goes without saying, you know, my dad's been the greatest role model in my life and it's only by that example that has set me up to do what I do today. So, so, so good to be back with all of you. And um, let's talk about my time that I had at Calvary Family Church. I don't really have a structured message, but let's, let's just spend a bit of time reminiscing, shall we? Calvary Family Church. You see, when I started coming here, we were this great little bunch of people that met in what is now the kids' church, I believe, next door. And um, what a great day that was. I remember we would do these things like discovery services. Um, I don't know if that's ever been a concept again, but when I arrived at Calvary, I, we just basically came from a traditional uniting church all the way over from Logan Central. Who knows Logan Central? Yeah, fair income, you lot, all the way over there, Barden Road. And I'd come from a pretty conservative Uniting Church background. And I was only really interested in doing one thing when I got here to Calvary Family Church. That was getting on the worship team. Because I discovered this new insatiable, um, overwhelming passion for drums. 
Like, you could not have a conversation with Joel Bagnell at 14 years of age and me not weave drums in the conversation somehow. Man, it used to bore people to tears. But at the time, I didn't care because I was just so passionate about playing drums. And so when I came here, I, um, I just had this love-hate affair with, with, with drumming because I loved drumming. And um, there was a point there where I was doing it every week, almost for like 12 months. And there was three services a day. That's when we had like these discovery services. But I loved it. But man, I hated it because I had to play those things. And I said to, um, said to, to Wayne and Gwenda when we arrived here, I was like, that is the same drum kit that I played for like, well, it's probably got new parts on it, but I played for seven years and I come back 10 years later and it's still here. Anyway, you can tell I've really sorted that in my heart before God, but um, that I just, I just loved playing the, the, the drums. I hated the drum kit, but loved playing the drums and, um, that was what really I thought God had for my life. I thought that is my lot in life. I'm, I was rubbish at sport. I could probably thank my dad for that. And because um, mum was the one who had like an ounce of sports talent. Hey, dad, is that right? See, it's truth. He knows I love him. And um, I'm actually okay at sport. I'll just, you know, repent of lying there. Don't you shake your head. But I wasn't that good enough to really make anything of it or... I uh, certainly didn't care about being at school, which is a bad thing when both of your parents are teachers at the school you're at. And um, so I was just consumed with this passion for drums, and I, I, I really went after that for all I had, and, and um, it sewed in everything I had into here. But when I was about 15, 16, I discovered this thing called the Holy Spirit. I came from this traditional church background, went through Sunday school, learnt the scriptures, learnt about God and learnt all these things. And, um, but it wasn't until that I discovered the Holy Spirit that, that I discovered that there was something more to life than I could understand. And um, I'll never forget it. It was probably in this very room, probably in, no, it was actually in that room, but it was at the altar at this church where I got prayed for and filled with the Holy Spirit and discovered uh, spiritual gifts and um, this weird thing happened to me and it was praying in tongues and uh, people would prophesy over me and it was so annoying because all I cared about was I wanted to play the drums. I thought that that's what God had for me but every single time a spiritual person would pray for me, including Scott, the same thing would happen. They would tell me something that I didn't want to hear, and that was that I was called to be a pastor, that I was called to preach the Word of God, that I was called to minister to people and and lead ministry in church, and I did not want to hear it because it was not what I wanted for my life. I remember this one time we were driving from the Gold Coast, and you and Jeff Sorensen were in the car, and here I was trying to like weave the conversation back to drums, and both of you hammered me, especially Jeff Sorensen was like, Joel, I know you think you're called to play the drums, but you're not called to play the drums. You're called to preach the word of God. And also, you know, people come and say you're called to prophesy. And I wrestled with this for such a long time until uh, later when I was more mature and less selfish, I relented and God poured all of these dreams and a new passion, and a new mantle uh, on, on my life. And I, 
I enjoyed the times I had here. I remember I, um, I think one of the bargains that the church struck with me was they would let me play drums if I joined the kids' church team. So I became a kids' church leader while I was drumming. I remember uh, Donnie Johnson, the youth pastor, you know, at the time. He was always on my case, discipling me like the hairiest man alive, was my personal pastor and just dealing with attitudes and uh, teaching me more and more about how to be a better example as a Christian. I'm not, oh man, I was so tempted to tell you about all the things like I blew up and did like down at the skate park. Anyway, I shouldn't. I'm trying not to be incriminated because there's a police station around here somewhere. Um, And my dad is on the third row. So, I remember we had all-night prayer meetings. Do you remember them where we would just get into God and would prophesy over anything that had like a heartbeat? It was uh, incredible. The surf camps we went on, like God set revival in our hearts and He started to peel back the layers and really speak to, to, to who I am. And this dream started to, to set in my heart that I didn't understand. Like I said, it was something that I fully discovered later. But what I wanted to encourage you guys is, is that you've got to hold on to, you've got to nurture the dream that God puts in your life. You see, there is incredible power in a dream. And that's just what I want to quickly talk about, the power of a dream. And I know that sounds like a really pretty thing. Oh, you know, what did you preach on tonight? The power of a dream and it's great. We're all meant to be awesome and we're all meant to just like sing kumbaya and talk about wonderful things where we can eat cheesecake for the rest of our lives and all be really rich and famous. No, the power of a dream, there is something unstoppable. There is something gritty and unshakable, unmovable about a dream that you could have for your life. And um, I want to just quickly turn to Genesis chapter 37, verses 18 to 20, if you've got your Bibles or your uh, version apps. Real quick, I'm watching the time, real quick. Genesis 37, verse 18 to 20, just two verses, I promise. And this is the story of Joseph. And it says this, But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Now come, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams the power of a dream. One of my friends has this email signature. Um, After every email you receive from him, he's a pastor at another church. And I love this saying so much. It's a quote from um, a person called Eleanor Roosevelt. And, And the saying says that the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. The future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. I didn't realize this until a bit later in my life, that it wasn't just when God grabbed a hold of my life through the power of His Holy Spirit. I didn't realize this, but I was always a dreamer, always a dreamer from a young age. 
Um, no matter what church environment I was in, I always had these wild and crazy ideas. My dad still reminds me to this day about this one day where I was dreaming about, I don't know, what I was having a cricket, cricket career or something like that. I had something in my heart where I was, wanted to be wealthy and significant. And I said, Dad, Mum and Dad, when I get successful and wealthy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy, Mum, I'm going like, to buy you a BMW. And Dad, like, I'm going to buy you a Land Cruiser. He even made fun of me like yesterday for this. And, and, and I'm going to buy you like a house by the beach. And I was just so excited about, um, about the future, about the possibilities and, and, the, and the potential. But then you have all these dreams and then life kind of happens. You get really familiar with your limitations for me. I think it came acutely, it, like everybody became acutely aware of my limitations when I wasn't interested in any form of study whatsoever. People would look at my life and be like, wow, how on earth is Joel going to be successful if he doesn't even know how to speak English properly? A lot of those things throughout the, were, I guess there's a lot of things about my situation where you would look at my life and go, well, can have dreams, Joel, but you're really going to have to pull yourself together and do something about your life. A bit like these guys in this story, Joseph's brothers, there's something that grates our human nature where somebody we know <laughs> has a dream and you look at their life with your natural eyes and go, please. You know, it's like these people who go on audition for X Factor and they're like, I'm so talented. Ah, oh, you can't say no to me. You're going to be so sorry that you said no to me. And you look at them and go, oh, oh, I don't know about that dream. Like, you are delusional. Come on, we've all been there. But there's something about seeing an audacious dream in someone else that sort of gets our back up. Oh, you're a bit of an idiot, aren't you? Do you think you can really do that? It's a bit like... Joseph's brothers, let's see. We'll throw him into a pit. Let's say negative words about him. Let's, let's really test him out. Let's put him under the bus. Then we'll see what comes of your dreams. And in our life, God births a dream in our heart. And sometimes our worst enemy is us and our insecurity. Sometimes our worst enemy is the people around us, the small-minded people around us. And sometimes literally... The enemy is the devil who will throw everything at you in the same way that Joseph's brothers did. Well, you know what? Let me test him. Let, let life hit him a bit. Let's just see what happens of his dream. But you've got to understand, no matter what you throw at yourself, no matter what anyone else, no matter what the devil throws at you, the power of God's uh, dream that he births in you is so much stronger than all of that so much stronger and I, I mean I look at what our life is today and um, man I just I'm so amazed at the faithfulness of, of God when it comes to what we're doing today because I when the dream first birthed in my heart I knew that I was called to something in ministry but I didn't know that it would reach the span of the globe to the northern hemisphere or throughout Europe and um, that the process of getting there is painful, but there is incredible power in your dreams. Let's talk about Joseph for a second. When you read that story, you look at him and think, 
oh my gosh, man. You didn't just get like ripped off once, but you got like ripped off four or five times. If it wasn't enough for him to be like taken away from his family and, you know, beaten up or stolen and sold into to slavery or left for dead, if it wasn't for the fact that he got accused of, of, of rape, like totally innocent when he's just doing a good job, if it wasn't the fact that he got thrown in jail and he got forgotten about, for all of those things, there's one thing you will never find Joseph doing ever in his story, and that is giving up on his dream. He never gave up on his dream. And I don't know what it is I'm speaking to in your life. I don't know who it is I'm speaking to. But if there is a desire in your heart to do something radical for God, if there is a desire in your heart to live in so much more than what your life says about you now, you have to understand there's incredible power in the God that created you and the call that he put in your life. And the number one thing that keeps people away from achieving their dream is the fear of failure. The fear of failure. But here's the awesome thing about our God. Our God is an expert at dealing with failure. Right from the outset when he created mankind, we failed. His first project decided to go against him. Right from the first moment when the people of God would try and inherit the promised land, they failed again and again and again and again. God would appoint a king, he would fail. As humans, it's like it's irresistible for us to fail, but the amazing thing is our God is so much bigger than that. I remember when God first placed a desire in my heart to minister, and I didn't realize I had this amazing idea here at Calvary Family Church. And that was when we started the Oaks of Righteousness um, conference. And I remember I was the most passionate person about doing something for the young people. I was just sort of coming out of high school myself. I'm like, yeah, let's do a youth concert and let's do a youth rally and invite all these people. And we like invited all these Christian bands and we like put it. And, and I think the church pumped a heap of money into it. And we was like, it's going to be the best thing on earth. And I was really passionate about it. And then we put the night on and like, no one came. I know. Like, hardly anyone came. And to make it worse, I was a horrible host. I had no idea what I was doing. I certainly didn't do any of the setting up, didn't do any of the packing up. Like, I just, I think I just, like, chilled in the green room with the band. And when they needed something, I was just like, man, it was, I think back on it now, it's like one of the most embarrassing things in my life, failure. I remember when I first became a youth pastor, and um, at, at, at IC Church, I'm just telling, I'm just sharing, is that okay? And then I'm going to pray for some people. But I remember being a, a youth pastor and things were going okay, but then I got into a relationship. And being a young youth pastor, you think, okay, well, this is my chance to prove to everybody that, you know, I'm the real deal. You know, I'm successful. I can run a youth ministry and have a great relationship and, Everyone's going to look at me and see how to be godly. And, you know, we're going to be a power couple and we're going to preach together. And, 
It took all of about three months until my girlfriend at the time called me into my office on a Sunday morning just before I was about to preach and looked me in the eye and said, you know what, I've changed my mind. I'm not actually attracted to you and I've never found you attractive and uh, I'm going to end this relationship now and I don't really want to hear from you. Out of the blue, totally crushed me. Totally crushed me. For the next few weeks as a, as a youth pastor, someone who just like stepped into what kind of looked like my dream at the time. I was running a youth ministry, I was preaching and a pretty girl in the church took notice of me and it's great, I was the full package, you know, as a young passionate pastor living his dream and had an attractive girlfriend and all of a sudden, bang, the, the, the rug was pulled out from underneath me and it hurt. I felt like such a failure. What? How could you get up and preach to young people about relationships? How could you get up, and this is the voice that, voices that go on your mind, how could you get up and preach about selecting the right person and how to date properly and and it took its toll on me. For weeks, I thought I could carry it in my own strength. For weeks, I thought, well, you know what? I can, I can, I've, got shoulder, I've got broad shoulders. I can, I can handle this. And I started to try and reason with how this could happen and, and to try and sort of defend my reputation. But I'll never forget it. About four weeks later, I just came absolutely crashing down. And I remember it was before a Sunday night service and we were in the pre-service prayer meeting and I just said to myself, that's it. I quit. I'm going to resign. I looked at my senior pastor in the eye and he was trying to talk, trying to ask me, what's wrong, Joel? Like, why are you not praying? Why are you not? Come on, man. You're like a minister of the gospel. Come on, get yourself together. What's going on? And I was just looking at him going, well, tomorrow I'm going to send you an email. I didn't say that at the time, but I'm done with this whole thing. I don't want to be a pastor. I don't even really necessarily feel like being a Christian. I just feel so ripped off. I feel like I can't do this. I feel like such a failure. And one of the most defining moments of my life was that week, was when I went over to my parents' place for dinner. And uh, my mum pulled me aside. And she said, you know what? I haven't heard anything about Denmark about Europe come out of your mouth for months. What's going on, Joel? And I was like, well, you know, haven't you re noticed that, like, broke up a relationship, it'll be a little bit busy lately, and she's like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Because at that stage, I'd been going to Europe for probably about four years in a row. It was like something, if you, it was like that drums thing again, if you talk to me, I'd be talking about Europe or something like that. And she said, well, no, ever since I've known you, you've been a dreamer. And whilst you're still talking about your dreams, you're energized or, you know, whilst you're still believing the things that God put in your heart were possible, you always had the energy to achieve more than people thought you could achieve. And, God, and, and she said so clearly, God spoke to me so clearly that you need to begin to dream again. And I don't know whether dad was on board with this or not, but she said, you need to book those flights I'll pay for them and you need to go back to Europe and you need to get in touch with your dreams again. And it was that trip, that very trip, was the trip that I met Helena. We started dating uh, off the back of failure, thinking that maybe I shouldn't be the person to 
be in a relationship and try and pull off this whole ministry and dating thing together. And we started dating. And now we're stepping into a season of where dreams are being fulfilled. You see, it was eight years ago that God put a burden in my heart to go and preach and minister in Europe. I didn't know whether that was ever going to happen. But while the dream was still alive in my heart and in my life, I could achieve incredible things. You see, I could have a bad day, but whilst the God-given dream and call was still alive in my, my life, I could get up again. I could, go, I could go for it again. And when my friend was sharing the word that, uh, just a, a few moments ago, um, I thought, well, here's the, here's the great thing about Jesus. He fought and he fought and fought and fought for us. But I love when we use the words that he rose again. The enemy thought that he'd got him down for good. If he couldn't take him out of action in the wilderness, if he couldn't take him out of action through the Pharisees, if he couldn't take him out of action by physically killing him, <laughs> Jesus rose again and he rose again. And, and it was the power, you know, when I believe when Jesus hung on that cross, it was his dream of you and I being in relationship with him and the Father that helped him endure the cross. The Bible says, for the joy set before him. The joy of what? Your salvation. The joy of you fulfilling your potential. And when you understand who God's called you to be, when you lay a hold of what he's put in your life and when you don't let go, that's when you can face anything with the joy set before you. And I don't know who I'm in, in, encouraging tonight. You know, there's two scriptures that I love. One of my favorite scriptures at the moment is Joshua 21 verse 45 that says, not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given the family of Israel was unfulfilled. Everything Everything he's spoken, had spoken, came to pass. Everything God said. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, um, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and what purpose, and, and it will achieve the purpose that I sent it for. If God's given you a word, if God's given you a dream, if God's given you a promise, He is going to work with you and with you and on you until that very investment He placed in your life came to pass. The reason why there's so much power in a dream is because it's God's desire and His plan for your life. And um, I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but I'm going to pray for some people. I'm going to get my friends Wayne and Gwenda to pray for some people because I so believe the power of a dream. There's so much about my life. There's so much about the life of people I meet, including Wayne. Ooh, one day I'll get him to share his testimony. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. It's good. There's so much about those things that disqualify us but there's something so much stronger than what limits you, and that is the dream and the call of God on your life.
And I'm so excited. I've been never, ever been more excited about my life than I am today and everything that God's doing and working through us. And my prayer is that I would just get to pray for you and uh, I would get to stoke up, stir up that dream in you because one day you could be accomplishing something that is so far beyond what you or anyone else in your life thought you could accomplish. It is so much bigger than what these four walls can contain. It's so much bigger than what your talent suggests you can do. It's a God-sized plan. It's a God-sized dream. And if we just want to bow our heads and close our eyes, and I don't know if there's a keyboard player who can join me, but I'm just going to pray for some people tonight. And I mean, I can say nice words. <laughs> I can say encouraging things, but really all of this was just a setup for this moment that it is the power of God that comes upon you and releases His plan and call for your life. And that's what I really, that's what I really hope and desire. And God, I pray right now Your Spirit would just come and start to rest upon people's hearts and their minds, Lord, that You'd start to show visions and release dreams and, and stir up stir up your presence in their life stir up that fire and if it's not there god i pray that tonight your spirit will come and rest upon them that they would experience that for the first time and god we just make ourselves ready and able and open tonight to receive from you and let's just stand to our feet if that's okay you guys cool for that i'm just going to pray for some people i'm going to move this i haven't been to the gym in a while Thanks. So good. Who who wants some prayer around this tonight? Anyone? Because like I'll go and like eat burgers or something and and go and keep living the dream. But I want you to like be stirred up with passion. Actually, it's funny, Sarah, that you put your hand up. Do you want to come out? Because um, when when you are up there, I often have to like get a briefing from the pastors, who's who, and stuff like that. But when you were when you were worship leading. Um, I just felt the Spirit of God say that for you, the sky is the limit. The sky is the limit. And you've got gifts, you've got talents, you've got all these things going for you, but um, 